first off, uh, Governor, extraordinarily special day because many of the key people who were involved in the decision-making of what to do after the attack uh, assemble together each and every year down at World Trade Center site. So if you can just give us this, uh, your feelings on this very solemn occasion. I'll tell you, Curtis, the, the overwhelming feeling that I start with is sadness, you know, because almost 3,000 great New Yorkers, great Americans were murdered that morning. You know, it was a beautiful day. They just went to work expecting to have another uh, day in the office, and instead it ended in, in tragedy and catastrophe. And you just can't help but think of them and the loss uh, and then this morning, you see the family members. 21 years later, if you lost your son or daughter, your father or mother, it's not 21 years ago. It's this morning. And you can just sense their pain and the agony, and it's not going to go away. And it just has to remind us that we have to be constantly vigilant in protecting our freedoms because uh, those who attacked us before, there are those who want to do it again. And we just have to be conscious of that every single day. Well, now, Governor George Vitagi, I've heard you in many interviews leading up to the commemoration today say exactly that. We have to be awake. Look, I grew up in a household. My father was a merchant seaman. He taught me, remember the pearl, remember the pearl, and described graphically what happened in Pearl Harbor and what it led to. And then clearly it's our responsibility to let our children and grandchildren remind them of, remember 9-11, remember 9-11. But it seems we continue to make the same mistakes. We're asleep at the wheel, as we were before Pearl Harbor, as we were before 9-11. And why do you think that is? Uh, as we can see that our enemies, they never rest. They could be in a, uh, a hovel in uh, Yemen or Afghanistan. They've got their laptop, their technology. They're waiting uh, for the perfect moment. Why do you think we always seem to lapse into this uh, feeling of it's never going to happen again? You know, I just, uh, you know, Americans are inherently optimistic, and that's a great thing about our people. We always look at the future, and it may be a little drizzly today, but the sun's going to shine tomorrow. And that's a great thing. But at the same time, you cannot forget the fact that there, is, there are those who uh, not only don't, want the freedoms that we take for granted. They resent the fact that we live in freedom. They resent that we have freedom of assembly, freedom of uh, speech, freedom of, to choose our own religion. Uh, and they are going to do their best to take it again. And, you know, I look at uh, our southern border, hundreds of thousands, million people crossing that border. Yes, most coming for a better life, but we know there are drug dealers, there are criminal cartels, and yes, there are terrorists. There are people coming across that border with one goal, and that's to do harm to America. Why we continue to allow that to happen, particularly on this tragic day, is something I can't understand. And, Curtis, if you think back, you were mentioning people in the caves and everything. Al-Qaeda had a safe haven in Afghanistan where they recruited, they trained, and they organized for those attacks. Just a couple of weeks ago, the leader of al-Qaeda was killed living openly in Kabul. Al-Qaeda is back in Afghanistan, back having a safe haven. And, uh, you know, we just cannot take our security for granted. We've made that mistake before. I just pray that our leaders don't make it again. Now, Governor Pataki, in the aftermath of uh, 9-11, uh, the Homeland Security Department was set up. Governor Ridge was put in charge, brand-new operation. We were trying to get everyone on the same page because we learned a, a horrible lesson that with all the federal agencies, naturals, uh, national security agencies, FBI, CIA, none of them were on the same page. They weren't sharing information. We were sitting on a lot of this information. 
but we also created ICE. ICE was supposed to go after people who overstayed their visa here and prevent illegals from coming in with the idea that some of them might potentially be terrorists who wish to do us harm. And yet, when I walk around many of our states and cities where I have guardian angels, I mention ICE, and they well, we don't work with ICE. You know, sorry, it's a government agency. We're not permitted to work with ICE. Police Department. Curtis, we'd like to work with ICE, but we're not permitted to do so. How do we justify that when this very organization was created to prevent a future 9-11, especially the way it happened here where they, they came in uh, on visas, overstayed their visas, and then basically uh, implanted themselves to launch this attack? Curtis, it's just incomprehensible to me. Uh, you know, how so many of the uh, political leadership just uh, either don't understand or don't care. You know, when you tell ICE, we're not going to work with you, they're, they're not bad people. Their job is to protect us and to find it, find the criminals, find the drug dealers, find the terrorists, and make sure we can get them either in jail or out of the country. And to not work with them is absurd. But, Curtis, you see it firsthand every day. They don't work with the police, their own police department that they are in charge of. And yet too often the police are demonized instead of supported. And it's just incomprehensible to me. It is horrible leadership. It is resulting in, as we see all over, horrible spikes in violent crime. Uh, and unless we're vigilant, we're going to see more attacks again against us from terrorist organizations. And it comes down to leadership and, and sadly, I don't want to be political on September 11th. Sure. This is a day for us to remember and honor those who died. But we need leaders that are going to stand with our police, stand with law enforcement, stand with ICE, protect our borders, uh, and try to make sure this never happens again. Now, as chief executive of New York, when you were governor 12 years, you were responsible for the education of the children throughout the state of New York, whether Buffalo to Brooklyn, up to Plattsburgh, rural areas, suburban areas, uh, the state oversaw a lot of the curriculum. They could actually do an intervention in school districts if they weren't following uh, the rules and regulations of the Department of Education of the state of New York. I asked a bunch of young children as they returned to school, young adults, this this week, charter schools, parochial schools, public schools. And I even asked my own sons. They talk about 9-11 in school? Nope. Um they say that maybe next week they're going to talk about it as part of the lesson plan. Nope. How are we going to convey this to our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Governor, if there's little, if any, attempt to actually embed it into the curriculum, especially on the day in question, either leading up to it or directly after it? Well, Curtis, I can't tell you what's happening in the schools today, but I can tell you that New York State does require the teaching of September 11th in our public schools. Uh, and that's a good thing. Whether or not they're actually carrying it out, I can't say. But uh, uh, I thought it was important. The state thought it was important. And it is something that's required. But it's only required in a handful of states and in most of the country. I doubt if they talk about it much at all, much, uh, which is just sad. Uh, and there's only so much, as governor, I could do. We made sure that New York State requires the teaching of it. But one thing I could do, is create that memorial where people who weren't born on September 11th, and that was part of the idea. People who have maybe even not heard of it can come and see the magnitude of that attack, the, the 
hideous nature of our loss and also the courage and that courage, courage with which we responded. And, you know, I was there this morning and I'm just so moved by the voids where the tower stood, the granite uh, uh, surrounding the voids with the names of every hero carved into them, the Freedom Tower rising above it. And uh, that was part of that, was to tell the story to people who weren't even born so they would understand the magnitude of what we went through. But we need to do more. Uh, um, it's appropriate that today is a day of mourning, but uh, we need to, to have a day of teaching so that people understand the consequences of when we look the other way in the face of terror. Well, if you could uh, sort of take us through a few of the steps initially, because if you've grown up in New York like I've grown up, you know initially that governors and mayors oftentimes are in conflict. I grew up in the era of uh, Nelson Rockefeller and John Lindsay, and they could not agree on anything. Luckily, we never had as severe an emergency as 9-11. It's, it's, there's nothing comparable. But even recently when Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio, so it doesn't even matter parties, Democrats, fellow Democrats, Republicans, there's always that tension. Here it is, this major catastrophe. We're looking to hear from President Bush. He's not there. Dick Cheney, our vice president, not there. Really, nobody's speaking on behalf of our federal government. What suddenly brought you and Rudy together? Because now the eyes, not just the state of New York and the city of New York, but America, the world was on what was going to be coming from your voices in terms of how to describe it to us, how to guide us through this, because there was really no federal leadership initially. We were all wondering, did they get the president? Were they after the vice president? They attacked the Pentagon. What else is going on? Remember, no Internet at that time. All misinformation. We're assuming that there's an all-out attack being launched. Sort of take us through those steps of what happened so that you and Rudy end up standing together and really become the voice for us to the whole world. Well, you're right, Curtis, that uh, uh, 21 years later, we know that the attacks were over, essentially, that morning. But we didn't know it then, and we were very concerned what might happen next. And we had to be concerned because this is unprecedented. Uh, But the minute those attacks happened and the towers came down, I knew this was a crisis of, of a magnitude that not just me, but New Yorkers had never experienced before. Uh, and that is not a time to uh, look to rush to the cameras or advance your political career. It's a time to stand together and get things done. So I called Rudy that morning right after the towers were hit and said, I'm in this city. We're more organizing our emergency command center, uh, mutual aid, National Guard is getting called up. We're taking all the steps. I'm here. You let me know what the city needs, and we will be here. Uh, and, of course, then the mayor was out of commission because his command center got destroyed. But later on that afternoon, and I think this is the most important decision I made in 12 years, Rudy called and said, we set up a temporary command center um, at the old police academy, and I, his whole team was there. And I thought for a minute, and I said, Rudy, we're coming right down. And I went to that building with my whole team, and went into the same room. And from the afternoon of September 11th for months thereafter, the city was on one side of the table. The state was on the other side of the table. We never had any miscommunication. I thought you were going to do this or you were supposed to do that. We had a seamless response, and I knew we needed to have a seamless response to get through this magnitude. And later that evening, FEMA came in, the federal officials, They went to the same table in the same room. So, you know, I think back at things like Hurricane Katrina, where the response was a catastrophe. And you had the state blaming the city, the city blaming the feds, the feds blaming the state. 
There was none of that. And I knew we couldn't have any of that. And that decision to say, I'm going to have my whole team in the same room with the city's room, I think was the most important one I made. And by the way, sitting to my side is uh, Randy Daniels, who was my secretary of state. And as we went through those weeks and months, Randy was the point person at that table all the time dealing with the city to make sure that we had this seamless response. Well, in fact, in addition, uh, we have former Secretary of State uh, Randy Daniels uh, in our studios here at WABC on our day of commemoration for the attack on 9-11. We also have Daniel Weiss, who is lieutenant colonel uh, for the New York State Police, who actually was at the pile when President Bush was there gave that speech with the bullhorn that really brought us all together. When we come back, we got to talk about that because it is somewhat comparable to now. The nation was completely divided. After eight weeks, the Supreme Court determined that our president was Bush 43 and not Gore. Bush was a dirty word in New York City. I mean, he couldn't get anyone to even acknowledge him. How or how did our our nation come together, never mind our state and our city, coming off to such an election that so divided us along political lines. That could be a lesson for what's going on today. Again, continue to listen here to 770 AM WABC. We're not talking about royalty, monarchy. We're not talking about the queen. We're not talking about anything else. There's only one issue today we're talking about and that's the 21st anniversary of the attack of 9-11 and it's something you have to convey to your children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren because the further we get away from the actual attack, the less and less people seem to care or be interested or take the time to tell a new generation right here at WABC.